0: Sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots, like. What a stop! Just for Ben!
1: Ah! Yeah! Jordan Henry.
0: I mean that sort of stuff. we it, it's been we're better, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance. Flat. No. Well, what, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, say something.
2: We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up,
0: fire it up. When
3: we finally turn it over Happy New Year, welcome to the Friday Football Podcast, our first of 2015 In fact, our first for the last few weeks, primarily because of laziness, I would think is the primary yeah. reason there That's interesting comment from Jerry Gilroy I have to admit His first appearance on the Friday Football Podcast since God knows when Because I'm too busy to do ah, it Ah, busy, That's, that's- <laughs> Whatever. Too yeah. busy to do the Friday. What I sort of a message is like that sending out to our listeners? It's not like I'm lazy, lazy to outside, to it. checking
1: Twitter, you know? It's a poor message I'm to be sending to those who... I'm generally checking Twitter. You, of course are.
2: The FA Cup has interfered as well. That you you, you can be be arsed for the FA Cup. Yeah. <laughs> the
3: magic of the FA Cup. It's still football, Dave, some would argue. <laughs> the Friday so, football podcast. <laughs> That is the voice of Dave McIntyre and Joe uh, Gilroy as well. Happy New Year to you, lads. And to you. I don't know if there's a date, cut off point by which uh, we stop saying this. Week. Right, fair yeah. enough. Uh, we didn't do a football podcast, obviously, in Christmas week, especially, you know, potentially, I suppose. Just couldn't be arsed. Well, it was Stephen's Day. Could have done one last Friday. Yeah, I was here. I was here. You were here. Was I?
1: You were late. Again. I
3: was here early. I, I can't
1: remember where I was yesterday. We
3: just couldn't be bothered, uh, and there was a little bit of tweet action as well. Uh, wondering where we were. There were some people saying that to get back to the office. You're mad. Uh, <laughs> my mother was. I uh, <laughs> did find Twitter the other week. She, she's one of these people who has never used Twitter. Doesn't know what a Twitter Twitter is. Twitter is. She's nearly eighty, and uh, f- somehow found my. She doesn't know what Google is, and somehow found my Twitter account. Ah, oh, dangerous. Gave out to me for my use of language,
1: profanity, and already you've been profane on
3: this. Have I?
1: Yeah. Twice. I didn't
3: even notice it. What did he say?
1: The average human, according to Adi Refact, swears between 80 and 100 times a day. I was thinking, that's a bit high. And I thought, no, it's not. <laughs> thought about it for a second. No, that's about bleeping, no, right? Yeah. I'd say I'm
2: well above the average.
3: And then we had somebody the, pre- uh, the previous week before that, Nathan Murphy, had suggested, when he bothered to come in, of course, that uh, we should tweak around the intro somehow to uh, get some of his commentary in there. Oh yeah, He's and then
1: feeling a bit uh, left out. <laughs> ah, that was that was Nathan's mouth, was it?
3: Yeah, no, that was Nathan himself uh, suggesting that he should be included. And then somebody tweeted to say, "Don't touch the intro, lads. It's super. As the in- d- the intro target, is good. It's true. Who put the intro together? I don't know, but I mean, whoever did it,
1: it's kind of wasted on the podcast, though, right? <laughs> you know, the three people every week who <laughs> <even> <laughs> to hear <it.
3: laughs> Like, I mean, the people who have bothered their artists to come this far have already been abused twice by you, Jerry. I think your news resolution should be, you too. A, to turn up, by the you way. You too,
1: not the, not the listener. <laughs> then, oh, no, then, the listeners are great.
3: And then B, to be, to, you know, to be I, I, to the Hang on a second.
1: I'm praising your intro and saying it needs to get to a bigger audience. That's fair enough, yeah. yeah. I, and you choose to interpret this as of oh, that.
3: Let's, let's, get it on, let's get it on the Saturday show.
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. You could easily play it on Saturday as a promo for the fact that you do it. mm
3: it's not the worst because idea. Because let's face it, we don't have enough quality in the podcast itself to play any of that as a reason maybe why people should come in listen. I've got a suggestion. No,
1: no, because <laughs> this is a theme tune. It's going to change every week. This way is a really easy thing to do. You don't have to. You stick it. You time yes. it. It goes out at a set time and everybody goes that. Well, maybe can,
2: we, should re- we should have these editorial production <laughs> meetings while we're not actually not recording the, the pod. <laughs> Dave, is that not the whole point of this?
3: <laughs> I thought this is what we were doing here. Let's just have an editorial <laughs> meeting, fire up the microphones and it's see magic, what happens.
1: It's the magic of radio.
3: I think that was the actual the essence of having this Friday football podcast at all.
1: Well, you weren't even here when we started this. So well, the I don't reincarnation yeah, of the Friday football I don't know podcast. About that, you know, the reincarnation. If you, can, Ger- if you can tell us what we were thinking way back when we started it H- <laughs>
3: before it got ruined. I don't mind a bit of revisionism, Jerry. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm fully willing to partake in that. There's a whole bunch of games that we want to talk about. Uh, I've kind of decided outside that we're not going to bother talking about the Dross. Uh, we do have two live games as well, and off the ball, by the way, uh, to flag up with you, coming on Sunday. Dave is going to be at one of them, United against Southampton, alongside Stephen Reid. And Nathan will be back in work, because it's, uh, you know, the sort of Las Vegas jazz hands work on Sunday. So he gets to go to the Emirates for Arsenal Stoke, and he'll have Kenny Cunningham alongside him. So we'll get to those a bit later.
1: I want to do a game. It's my New Year's resolution. What? I want to, I want to do a game in what? the ground...
3: What's, what do you
2: mean
1: by "do again"? I'm not a shit game, by the way. What do you mean well, "do again"? good game. There's
2: some Auburn cup matches.
1: <laughs> we don't have rights to that. FA Cup, right? That's, that's we, we don't have rights to that. Football as
3: well. <laughs> what do you mean by "do again"?
1: And I don't want any shit co-commentators either. I you want, I want a top of the range. Do? Yeah. A, we but, never have shit co-coms on News Talk. An Arsenal-Man United, B, a Liverpool-Man United game, Chelsea-Man United-Arsenal game. One so of those, who,
3: Who's know? the worst commentator we had la- co-commentator we had last
2: year? I'm not going to name who our worst co-commentator is, but what I will say we have is... we Kevin Ratcliffe on a game? ...that a Chelsea-Matches-United <laughs> game would be up there with the biggest games we'll have this season off the ball. I'm not quite sure we should be giving it to a novice. What are you What's talking
1: about giving it to a, a novice? <laughs> I, have, I have over 10,000 hours of
3: broadcast experience, Dave. What's, not, uh, not at this
2: particular aspect of it.
3: What's our mechanism See, for he thinks, like he training? Thinks he <laughs> thinks that anybody can't just <laughs> when walk he's the guy who does it, Jared. I mean, he's got a he's got a and he's I'm got a trainer. No, it. no he's, he's my problem that
2: myth. My problem is that I'll probably be the one who will lose out on commentating on that game. Well, you first say, it, on the that big game, would be if, game, if we were to give which it to you. that would be just
3: karma, given your your recent career. What's that supposed to mean? It's just karma, Dave. You have to
2: explain that one to me off air. I don't get it either. I think We leave it to off air.
3: Uh, Attention in the room. I'm sure. In, so it, no, we, no, 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 I'm sure, sure it not, has something not, to do with another broadcast. Yes, it does. Does that make more <laughs> sense to you now? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Uh, yeah. What's our like mechanism for introducing co- uh, commentators to to air? I would suggest not throwing them into. No, no, no. That's not how it works. You make a big deal.
1: You know, we 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 talk about it. We and then everybody's listening. I mean, because let's face it, for the big games, everybody's watching on TV anyway, right?
3: Yes, that's uh, 12, uh, the new <coughs> stock sport into its 12th year of broadcasting live Premier League. So, yes. it's actually, it's the little games. <laughs> Nobody listens. But people are not bother their arses. It's, it's the little Scotland games that you I want to be team. doing
1: all the time, Dave, because they're the ones that everybody tunes in and goes, oh, I, want, I couldn't be arsed watching the Stoke games, so I listen to that. That's where, I'm telling you, if I was Dave, advising your... giving it. you a little bit of career advice. If I was advising
3: there, your sports department... Of which you've been running for the last.
1: Ah, but I no longer do, you know. Well,
3: well therein man, lies, there therein lies in time, the main, as one pundit
2: kernel say, of the difference in this particular opinion of his. He doesn't necessarily drink out of the same trough anymore.
3: Yeah. Isn't that right, Cheryl? He's drinking out of a few oh. different sort of troughs, today, what you? is what
2: you're saying, is it?
1: Well, his priorities have moved on. Yeah. Yeah, I want I uh, to do He's one game. He's a TV man now, is that what you're saying? I just want one game. What's the big deal? I can't understand what the problem is. You know, I'm you're what all sure, shocked.
2: What I'm sure our listeners are believing and saying they to themselves vote. right now. Uh, surely, if Jerry Gilroy had ambition to do one game, one big game, he really should have done it while he hold, held all the cards. <laughs> he still and does. And while he compares. was the editor. He
1: still does. I'm just calling in all favours, you know? Just calling it in. Just calling That's in. That's what we <laughs> come to expect.
2: Just ask him. Well, you can take in the game off Nathan Murphy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nathan's not here to defend himself. It's right. And we get Kevin Ratcliffe alongside you. It should be, everything should be fine. God, I hope Kevin Ratcliffe doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, as Ger very uh, appropriately pointed out at the top of the podcast, very few, few people do. So I, I would, I would I, imagine...
1: I, for I, one, like Kevin Ratcliffe.
3: Um, there's the balance sorted out. The BAI are going to be happy with that. Uh, Sunderland-Liverpool is the first game on Saturday. We'll have reporters, by the way, at all these grounds uh, across the weekend as well. Uh, And uh, yeah, Sunderland-Liverpool. Sterling should be back, we're told. He did miss that FA Cup win over Wimbledon and in the last few days has been uh, posting some pictures to Instagram of Jamaica. He's been there for the last few days, enjoying himself. He's a guy that, it seems, needs a break from football every now and then.
1: Very young, all the young players. 20 years of age. If you're going to manage right. them properly so that they don't get exhausted by playing 100 games in a row. It's just good management, really. And let's face it, the third round of the FA Cup against Wimbledon, while they almost bottled it, they didn't. So they didn't need him.
3: I agree. <laughs> uh, he's been used, obviously. Kenny Cunningham has been talking about the idea of using Raheem Sterling a bit further up the pitch for the last few months. And high up the pitch, back. Like. High up the pitch. And so that's come to pass over the last while. Uh, needs must, I suppose, here. But we're told uh, recently that Daniel Sturridge looks as if he's going to be back to whatever fitness represents for Daniel Sturridge uh, sooner rather than later. And then presumably Sterling reverts to his previous role. I don't
1: know. What I can mean, we
3: expect here when Sturridge is back? I
1: think that um, it, it's generally accepted that Brendan Rodgers has got more right than wrong over the last couple of weeks, that he's begun to find a pattern of play ...for the available players, um, and their form has slowly improved, a bit of confidence has come back into the team, and maybe he's got a better idea, maybe he knows that they can play together, maybe he'll play Sterling as an out striker in the way that Luis Suarez played, and he'll be a not-quite-like-for-like like replacement, but uh, some kind of replacement for him, and Sturridge will play what Sturridge did last year, but this whole thing about Sturridge is going to be fit in January, this is January... I read but the headline Sturridge to be fit in January It well. does
3: seem as if he's nearly there by all accounts I read a report today that seems to suggest You want that. really
2: him to have played four or five games in a row before you can really begin to have faith in him again because it's the same injury that keeps cropping up mm. I like. There's a real fear over My I would have thought
1: The over-under on the amount of games that Daniel Sturridge will play for the rest of the year has to be pitched around four or five right? But in his absence they really
2: are starting it's slow it's a slow and gradual that process he's but play he's play turning it around
1: year for the rest of the season for the rest of the season
2: they've only been beaten once in the last eight league games this is actually a really big weekend for them because United are hosting Southampton on on Sunday afternoon that's live and off the ball Southampton are in that fourth and Champions League place which Liverpool obviously have their eye on their whole season is built around getting into that top four and they're starting the weekend seven points behind them if they were to beat Sunderland on the, uh, t- uh, tomorrow they could end up only f- Potentially four points off, or what is it? What did I say? Yeah, four points off the top four. Yeah. Given their problems up till now, their injury issues, the amount of goals they've been conceding, the whole Jarrett situation, wouldn't be a bad place to be in mid January
1: and if, they're into the fourth round of the Cup. If Brandon Rogers qualifies for the Champions League this season, it's far greater achievement than challenging for the title last year from this position. Because yeah, he's already took yeah. himself
3: such a hole to get out of, essentially. Is the and there's no Sturridge
1: yeah. for the whole season so far. And they've no Suarez. And all of their signings, every single one of them flopped for the first four months.
3: Just before we wander off the uh, Sterling-Sturridge stuff. So, so like you say, four or five games for Sturridge. So, you know, uh, I, I think we can expect that Sterling's role, for what, for whatever it will be, will change. Maybe it reverts to what it was or maybe it becomes something else around Sturridge. Uh, and, and Sterling being, I think we can accept, the one player that is the future of Liverpool that Brendan Rodgers is going to build a team around it's not the healthiest approach to that he is essentially the second striker there so when Sturridge is fit he goes back to whatever that is and then invariably Sturridge is injured again and all of a sudden he's the striker
1: well that's assuming that
3: he doesn't buy someone else or, or
1: that those roles are so cast in stone that somehow it's bad for his headspace because he's played a load of different positions and he's had a load of different responsibilities and As a long
3: term plan though surely you what, kind of well, I
1: don't think this is the
2: long term plan this is the plan to get them through to the end of the season unless they spent 50 million on a striker this month, which, which they won't. No. Sterling last season, when he was coming in out from that wide area, he found himself in a central position quite a lot, actually. Yeah. He got a lot of his goals from that position. And he's but clearly deep, bit, far mature deeper, than I his years. And he's deeper. well able to cope with these... I think, I think you're making more of this than there actually is. It's, I they're just minor changes.
1: Those, I think we obsess about those specific who's playing and what role. Like, they both... When they don't have the ball, they're both going to have very specific jobs. But when they do have the ball, they're going to have to go where the space is going to mm. be created and they yeah. have to all they have to do is have a partnership and if that partnership works they can do great things but if they don't have a partnership if it's like this whole uh you can't play Rooney and Sturridge or Rooney and um okay. St- or uh, Percy? no for England in the World Cup Rooney and Sterling together right. when it was like oh they had to take Sterling out of the team even though he was their best player that was insanity mm. we have I think uh, a manager who's a bit more adept at dealing with these players. Isn't it slightly different
3: though because Rooney is obviously the main striker and that's the nugget of the point is that the the main striker position is so different from everything else. I mean, you know, like if it's a if you Fernando-Lampard thing, for example, okay, like Lampard, if it needs to be, can fill back because it's just a technically slightly different role if he needs to sit a bit deeper. Whereas this is such an important thing.
1: But what if you're Barcelona and you play with Messi and you play with, uh, or if you're Spain and you don't have a striker at all?
3: Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in Liverpool's context... But,
1: but Daniel Sturridge wasn't the out-and-out number nine for Liverpool last season. He picked the ball mm. up in those inside
2: left and inside right channels so often last season. He, I don't recall him actually spending an awful lot of time in that sort of Wilfred Boney position where he's got his back to goal, edge of the penalty area, yeah. holding
1: the ball I mean, up. So, you know, no so, really so in his that for absence Liverpool.
3: is he going to be that? Uh, do you know who's Well see so nobody played that for, for Liverpool Mario, Mario Balotelli
1: one. is more likely to be that player for Liverpool for the rest of the season when Sturridge comes back because then suddenly there's a reason to have him in the team when he's there on his own and he doesn't have Sturridge and Sterling doesn't have a relationship with him and nobody has a relationship with him it's impossible but there's a possibility that you do at some point have a trio with Balotelli, Sturridge and Sterling and that's quite a decent if if you can get anything out of Balotelli that's how it's going to happen
3: And what do you got, at Sunderland? P- Pace to Sterling must be tempting here? Pretty dodgy yeah, well, before
2: they aren't as dodgy as you might assume. Like they've kept six clean sheets in the last twelve Premier League games. That's up there with any other team in the Premier Premier League. They are an aging back four, though. They do have a lot of guys who are the, comfortably the wrong side of thirty, and for that reason, they actually tend to sit quite deep. And when they do that, it actually let, it reduces the space that Raheem Sterling can can run into. And they defend doggedly on the edge of their own penalty area, Sunderland, which is why I think Liverpool will struggle to break them down. Liverpool haven't drawn a game away from home this season, and I think they're going to struggle to beat because they're just really tough to beat now Liverpool's big difference over the last six weeks is that they're far tougher to beat than they were that, oh, it's only that defeat at United that has actually um, been their only defeat in the last eight games and that was on a day where they could have had six goals only for the heroics of David De Gea I would go for a draw in this game because I think that the two teams might cancel each other out
1: as a scratchy nil all or one nil for somebody from a set piece written all over I the think list. so,
3: I think so uh, we don't really. Oh, I know Dave mentioned it a bit earlier, but I wouldn't really overly plan to speak a great deal about Gerard But before we leave Liverpool, uh, one of the offshoots of that, Brendan Rodgers has been talking about the leadership of Jordan Henderson, which I have to say I was actually at some point earlier this season I discovered that he was the vice captain, right? And I was kind of a, a little bit taken back by that. Maybe that's just uh, coming Who from a place, be, a place of ignorance rather than anything else. But, but what sort <laughs> I don't of can't say any other candidates?
1: <laughs> is is Lovren is he you know is this is yeah. there something preventing him showing some kind of leadership? Or is he just not that type of character? I don't know.
3: Well, that's what I would have thought about Henderson. Actually, that he doesn't seem to be now. Clearly, last season when uh, Gerard was out, he really came into his own in terms of his the leadership from a playing point of view. Yeah. But that's kind of that's been absent this year. and Maybe that reappears when Gerard eventually shuffles off or yeah. shuffles somewhere else.
1: There aren't a million other candidates at the moment, particularly in the absence of any good form from anyone. Yeah,
3: around. Skirtle. God
1: no
2: Abs- You don't. your captain is the man most likely to throw in an absolute clangor or get his forehead split open at any given moment or or Richard Dunn, anybody? Or be dropped yeah. I wouldn't have um, I would have had Richard Dunn as a captain a Liverpool captain maybe 8 years ago but uh, I wouldn't be looking at Martin Skirtle he doesn't even captain Slovakia does he? not to my knowledge
1: I don't know who the Slovakia captain is I'm going <laughs> to confess I don't think first it's him first of the year having a clue In English. Yep. Jaunty.
3: Brendan Rogers, uh, jaunty, eh? Name the uh, theme tune, Jerry.
1: Oh, it's a TV theme
3: tune. Yeah. Game show. Deal or no deal? You,
1: we, you, we did this. What are you
3: chiming in, in for? Yeah. I don't recall when asked this in the pod before. Well, if you ever bother to pay attention when you're actually on the thing. Uh, deal or I'm no deal. I'm not a mad no deal
1: or no deal fan. It's shit. Oh, it's, it's a long time absolute, since I've watched
3: it now. A long, long like, time. Just harsh. Like the, the personification of... It's, the cube dude it as well. That the cube is I've a person. I've seen the cube. It's bullshit. The cube is an inanimate object. This banker, I wouldn't imagine, even exists. Uh... Yeah. somebody's talking to the phone no, to him. And he's not Edmund making the, num- to the numbers he's up himself he's talking to himself I really don't think
2: so
1: I,
3: I be really don't I, I don't he
2: think he's plucking numbers out of his own mind do
1: you not think that maybe in his other ear is the actual producer going here just, uh, well, what's yeah, the difference, just then? keep talking there for a minute but there's no difference
2: around. in the why are we talking about this because
1: you're saying that he's actually talking to somebody at the end of that comedy red phone yeah, You think he, that there's somebody at the end of that phone whose job it is so then, to watch on a monitor and, then at the, and who's wearing a <laughs> fucking suit with the dollar signs on his When he, he hangs up the phone,
2: the... he also then relays some witty message that the banker was looking to deliver to the contestant. That's off the top
3: of his head. I don't think it is. And also, by the way, he completely <laughs> pictures himself as he's oh, here I am on your side, the con- side of the contestant, up with the banker now. He's trying to get one over you. Complete bullshit. It's yeah. his show, right? He produces the
1: thing. No, he doesn't. He's Does he thing. not? He's a hard, it's an animal show.
3: Is that not his company?
1: No, God. Don Demoll owns Endemol, ah, right. who owns Big Brother and all I that. I thought there was some
3: bastardization combination of Edmonds in there somewhere, but... No, well, this really no. is a podcast to end them all at the moment. <laughs> Chelsea... <laughs> Real life, Dave. Chelsea, uh, Newcastle, or bullshit life. Chelsea, Newcastle uh, at Stamford Bridge, Dave. There's a game you're going to be keeping an eye on, on off the ball tomorrow. Uh, Newcastle's still without a bit out of manager. We would uh, John Anderson on last weekend. He was talking about the idea that uh, perhaps John Carver and Steve Stone are going to be kept on for the end of the season, but we read over the last couple of days that Remy Gard has been recommended by Graham Carr, speaking of game show hosts, uh, the Newcastle Chief Scout. Talk show, technically. You know, whatever, uh, has been recommended by Graham Carr to uh, get the top job here. And John Anderson, I just want to play you this clip, actually. It's probably the best way to, as I lean across the desk here, to represent this. Point Good sound about the uh, future of Newcastle. John Anderson talking to uh, Joe last weekend. Uh, Joe asked him who would actually want this job.
0: That's a very good question. Um, you know, I think anybody <laughs> who has a reputation um, within the game, um, I think your top, top boys wouldn't touch this job with a barge ball because uh, the one thing you'd say is that Ashley and the hierarchy here want somebody who will do what they're told, won't. Rock the boat, won't ask too many questions, um, just get on with it. Just uh, coach the team during the week, prepare them for the weekend, get the games done, uh, and not be involved in anything else. You know, have nothing to do with players coming in or players going out, um, you know, transfers, that that, that would have nothing whatsoever to do with with the uh, with the coach. So, you know, it's very, very difficult to see somebody who has a reputation and a decent reputation taking, a, taking this job at Newcastle United.
3: He's looking for a yes man essentially I think is the point that John Anderson is making there.
1: I love John Anderson I think he's one of the best contributors that we have and he obviously is completely embedded in the football life up there and knows the ins and outs of the club. I just think that the the old school manager who runs the club is less and less happening in England and that there are going to be situations where it's okay to work for an owner like Mike Ashley who, okay, so through his own stupidity lost about 200 million on the purchase of the club because he didn't do due diligence. But actually it doesn't really matter to Mike Ashley because he's worth three and a half billion and he's always going to be rich and he seems to be a very uh, successful businessman. He's got zero hour contracts in some of his shops in England and they actually quite a disgusting thing really when you think about it, but and also takes the money from Wanga.com.
3: But he's so to be more. <laughs> <not, not laughs> he's to be you're gonna get at? he's to be admired for No,
1: it. I didn't say that at all. I didn't I didn't say that and no, I don't neither. admire him for yeah. that. So I thought
3: there was a but coming essentially the the
1: he owns the club and the club will be continuing and he's not selling it anytime soon because no one's gonna buy it. So uh, he if you come understanding the parameters of the job, that's actually a brilliant job because uh, it's Newcastle, they have 50,000 fans, they have one of the best talent recruiters in the world, and Graham Carr, his ability to sign players and continuously sign players seems to be an unending uh, fountain of genius. So why the hell wouldn't you want that job?
2: A top manager who's available would not be going to that but, club.
1: Okay, you're talking about a, a select group of the, maybe the Carlo Ancelotti's of the world or th- at that level. But if you're... If you're Mick McCarthy, that's a dream job. If you're any, I would young think Mick manager, McCarthy and
3: Mike Ashley. I understand what you're saying, but that I, essentially you got to also be the right personality to be able to accept the fact that this is your role.
1: To be honest, if you're a young European manager looking for exposure in the Premier League, this is an amazing job.
3: This is an ideal job.
1: If you're like a, a player who doesn't want to go the long circuitous route of having to watch lower league football this is an amazing but job. then
3: it also means that Newcastle be, because you are that up and coming manager for example uh, like uh, uh, Remy Gard Newcastle the flip side of that is that Newcastle aren't going to be sure how good you actually are you're actually are. You're not going to be approving no. I think is the point that Dave's making
1: no that's fine The, the part pre- of the
2: Newcastle debate that I disagree with firstly I thought John Carver the FA Cup third round match was his audition and he picks a team designed to go out of the FA Cup. Now, whether he's been told to do that by Mike Ashley, I don't know, but I thought Carver was terribly naive and stupid in the manner in which he approached that game and then tried to sort of bullshit his way through the post-match interviews afterwards he's gone as far as I'm concerned he, won't, he doesn't have a chance of getting the job permanently they told he him may that. well <laughs> get it he may well get him though alongside Steve Stone because John Anderson I think will be spot on in that the aspect of the Newcastle debate that I can't understand is this oh, well Newcastle are safe they're not going to get relegated this season their season's effectively over let's leave Carver and Stone in place they're two defeats away from being potentially five points off the bottom three. If they go into a slump and they're already in a slump that they've only won once in the last 10 Premier League games after winning those six games in a row in all competitions, that was the win over Chelsea. Before we know it, they could be maybe three, four weeks from now, they could be four points off the bottom three and they will be in a downward spiral. The same sort of spiral which saw them get relegated six years ago when Alan Shearer couldn't cope with what happened mid-season yeah. when Hughton was sacked. Mm-hmm. And I think Newcastle would be great odds now to go down. I don't know what they are to go down because I'm sure it's very much odds against. Could be four to one, given that they're in mid-table safety at the moment. They need to get a manager who's going to ensure they don't actually drop out of the Premier League. And if they do, I think it would be hilarious to watch the reaction of Mike Ashley and the value of the club plummet. People I care about most in this is Newcastle fans, it must be an awful existence to be a fan of a team in a one-club city knowing that their real existence is meaningless.
1: Is there a possibility that if the right manager comes in, he can convince Mike Ashley to change in any way?
2: But if it's a yes man that he's brought in, it's hardly going to be the type of character that will do that.
3: I would think in some ways the Newcastle are a product of Mike Ashley's interference. That very point that you make that in some ways they're going to end up with... I mean, nothing more than a mediocre manager. Maybe they strike it lucky and, like, Remy Garrett is the answer and he is an up-and-coming guy who's willing to accept that I'm the head coach, really, and I'm not the manager as such. Yeah. But I do think that Newcastle will, will always be, a pro- as long as he's there, whatever club he's at, will be a product of his insistence of in being involved in the thing. They've yeah. lost
2: Papi Sissé to the African Cup of Nations. They've lost Cech Teote to the African Cup of Nations. Tim Creel is back after his injury. But that's a positive. They've met. They've beaten Chelsea once in the last 20 visits to Stamford Bridge. So they're going to lose this
1: weekend. I think it's going to be 6 or 7 nil. I wouldn't be terribly surprised yeah. if this is an absolute hammering. This could and, be and a complete hammering. That triggers the speeding, speeding up the arrival of Remy Gard.
3: Which does bring us on to Chelsea. I don't think, by the way, Newcastle, uh, Dave. I think that's money you should keep in your pocket because of the dross that lies around them. I don't think they're going to get to the really dross good.
2: that are lying around them are winning games. They're all picking up points. There isn't a team that's cut adrift. Like Leicester, are four points off. Well, for 17th example, Newcastle place. are
3: better off than thirteen points better off than Leicester at the bottom at the minute.
2: Yeah, but I'd be have my eye on Crystal Palace and Burnley. Crystal Palace have a new manager, former Ten Newcastle points, manager, yeah. and Burnley seem to be able to pick up one win in four, which would be enough to pick Newcastle up within six weeks.
3: Uh, Chelsea one point from the last uh, two Premier League games. They've drawn at Southampton, lost to Tottenham tw- at twenty six minutes of madness against Spurs, where they uh, go and concede four goals. What are the thoughts about this? Is it this? Uh, you know, obviously the the previous Newcastle game was the where the uh, they became the Vincibles, essentially. Is this a little blip now, or is this? Pointed to something greater at Chelsea.
1: Could you remind me what happened the the previous Newcastle game? Well, was
3: they were beaten two one
2: up at Saint James's Park. That was the day that Cisse got both the goals. Okay.
3: Um, José Marino had he he went nuts afterwards, and it's the, the, it was that game that you know it's he's the now start of the w- where the FAF charged him with these comments that he made after the game. Well, that was the game where he actually made them about the strategy of interference from. I don't think he was necessarily saying officials, but the strategy of interference from other players and clubs. And the the remember he said after the after the Newcastle game that the ball boys weren't giving the ball yeah, back yeah, in yeah, quick yeah, enough. Okay. So so there were I think there were two nil down Dave, right? and then they, 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 they got, got one got back Got then. one with 80, eighty odd minutes on the clock. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, and okay. Stephen Taylor was sent off. Ten minutes ago, and
1: they still couldn't uh, get it back. There was
3: a bunch of factors that day. But there it, was a
2: bunch it, of it, factors. Mourinho said that that was the way he would like to lose when his team play well, and he feels he's been done by an official, or there are other circumstances surrounding yeah. the game, as opposed to the Tottenham match. I would. I don't think Jose Mourinho will have lost a huge amount of sleep about the defeat at Newcastle. He certainly will have lost some sleep over what happened at White Hart Lane.
3: The, the Newcastle had uh, Chelsea had seventy five percent possession that day as well. They were there was a, there was a whole bunch of factors. Newcastle had very little shots on target that should have meant that Chelsea won it. But uh, Matic didn't play that day. and I remember talking to John Anderson about that. He felt actually his loss wasn't greatly missed that day. But in terms of the last couple of games. Maddox also didn't play against Spurs.
1: Uh, anytime Maddox doesn't play they're a completely different team. Yeah, th- There's, he there's a case for him being the most important player on any team. He in did the play League.
3: in the Southampton draw by the way which is the one little sort of flying that theory.
1: They actually played really badly in the Southampton game and Southampton should have won that. Yeah, They were kind yeah, of yeah. fortunate in the way that they managed to squeak a draw on that. Um, and then ultimately after Southampton had a player sent off with five or six minutes left to go and they got a lot of chances in the last couple of minutes. That's that game.
3: Yeah, I don't know. And
1: actually. then there was
2: the whole, yeah, the fire gas thing as well, which is a major,
1: should have been a penalty. That would have been the game. They would have won it. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a tiny blip for Chelsea that uh, Mourinho is too experienced, too well qualified to allow this to degenerate into anything more. They have loads of players. They have proper strength and depth. Maybe centre-back is an issue long-term in terms of the strength and depth. I uh, wouldn't be terribly surprised to see them strengthen a little bit. We
2: will get a huge insight into where Chelsea are in two weeks' time when they play Man City. And that's at Stamford Bridge. And City could well be at full strength with company, Aguero, Dzeko and Boney all on board. And that will tell us an awful lot as to how Chelsea are in terms of whether they're going to be able to stick it for the long haul.
0: I'm um, very excited. I mightn't look it, but I am.
3: A bit like ourselves, very excited. We mightn't sound it, but we definitely are. Uh, time to move on to the next game. Dave brings up the topic of Manchester City there at Everton on Saturday afternoon as well. And I think it's quite easy in straightforward to suggest that it doesn't really hold the same fear for City that it might have done um, last year. Everton's last four Premier League results, losing 2-0 at Hull, 3-2 at Newcastle, 1-0 at home to Stoke and 3-0 at Southampton. So four defeats on the bounce, conceding a bunch of goals. Those fixtures last season against both of those teams home and away Everton took six points off Hull they took uh, six points off Newcastle four points off Stoke three points against Southampton and scored an absolute hatful of goals along the way what's changed with Everton?
2: A lot has changed with Everton he's certainly changed the way they're trying to play they went a lot more direct actually against West Ham in the Cup and, and the media would suggest that the players asked him to do so and it actually led to their equaliser towards the end of that game and that could be that could be a game that might kickstart their season but they seem to be trying to keep the ball enough and off better and that means things are a lot slower, a lot more pedestrian, so they're not playing to their strengths and the strengths last season were the directness and physicality of Lukaku and the width and the pace and directness from Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman neither of whom were getting over the halfway line anywhere near as much as they used to be they haven't had stability at the back because they've had any injuries to all four of their recognised back four this season at times mainly to Distan and Jagielka Stones is out with a knee injury and everybody was talking about how great he yeah. was going to be last season Gareth Barry's a year older and he doesn't seem to be the same player he seems Jason to have lost his legs he in, the, yeah. in
3: the between seasons since they he? signed
2: him permanently and he doesn't have the same go about it when he has, doesn't have James McCarthy mm. alongside him and I think Stephen Pienaar is a massive loss for injury and form reasons there's a combination of the two that he hasn't been in the team and like Liverpool I know I've gone through about five or six things, but I think it is a whole combination of things that means they're not the force they were. They are very much overachieved last season. They went on that incredible run of victories towards the end of the season when they beat United and Arsenal in consecutive games. And they're below where they should be, but it was only naturally going to be a consequence of what they did last season, that they'd come down a level or two and they have to
1: play in the Europa League. Our resident Evertonian was like uh, Colin Parkinson was turning on Martinez on the show on Thursday night, uh, called him a spoofer. Wow, and a bit of a spoofer but it didn't go full not full 100% spoofer just yet Uh, and yet also was like I wouldn't be surprised now if they get a result against Man City just to show you how uh, this is like (laughs) Martinez is brilliant everything going to qualify for the Champions League at the start of the season But is there a serious
3: point in that that at some point like all the things that Dave mentioned and some of them are to do with form obviously and and these variables that quite clearly you know maybe Martinez can have as much impact on as he might like but do some of these factors ultimately find their way back to his door?
1: Uh, look, I, I think spending 26 million on Lukaku is ultimately the wrong thing for a club like Everton to do. Mm. They could probably, having loaned him last season and done so, so well and done so successfully, sign somebody else on loan of a, an up-and-coming stature for nothing and spent that 26 million on I don't know who. But, but
3: then he was a guy, and, and, and like hindsight is great and all that, but he was a guy who had proven that he could do it for them. More goals than Alan Shearer, more
1: goals than Thierry Henry, more goals than whoever else at, at that stage of his career. And everyone was like, oh, he's It made a bit of
3: sense. It wasn't It wasn't like an Andy Carroll. It wasn't...
1: Uh, no, it wasn't like an Andy Carroll. But at the same time, that's very much going away from what was very successful for them last year, where they built a squad of players and they did it on the cheap. Now, maybe to progress, you've got to spend 26 million quid in a striker and it just hasn't worked out for him. Uh, I don't think he's a spoofer I think he's a really good manager I think he's gone through a difficult spell at the moment the injuries are clearly an issue but if you're going into the season with a kid in stones granted a very talented one and a 37 year old in distan as two of your main centre backs Mm. there's something wrong there your squad is thin although Dave is
3: quite impressed consistently with distan I think Dave I'm right you're I think he's he's insanely quick. He's insanely quick for a 37-year-old. He's one of the quickest
2: defenders in the Premier League. He's defying his age. But the injuries he's picked up this year are an illustration of his age. We talked a number of times on the pod over the last three months, four months, the tipping point would arrive in Everton's season when they were out of Champions League qualification contention and that the Europa League would represent their best chance of actually making the Champions League next season. And I thought that would mean they might be seven or eight, nine points off the top (laughs) four and safely in mid-table. And they could maybe take half an eye off the Premier League and go, look, we're going to win this European competition. They're four points off the bottom three. I'm not suggesting Everton are going to get relegated but they have to pick Everton up some points. Everton and Newcastle
3: down, I can see the headline now. Well,
2: Everton are in a worse, an awful worse, worse position than Newcastle are. They're 13th, they're four points ab- off Crystal Palace and they're they've picked up four
3: points in the last 24. That's relegation form. The and, fixture list r- is terrible. and they're ripe for picking as well, aren't they? Oh, everyone fancies month? a crack at Everton No, now. but I mean in terms of the uh, transfer window.
2: Well, I don't think they'll let anybody go. They won't. It could cost them their Premier League status if they were to let Barkley go, if they were to allow Coleman to go. That just it won't come, happen.
3: But there comes a point where that conversation isn't about whether they want to let them go or not there well becomes, no look, I think clubs have proven right.
2: Manchester United Liverpool they've proven in the last 12 months that if you want to hold on to a player you will hold on to him and they can let the boys go in the summer if they want but Barkley and Coleman the other players will if not you're be going if Seamus
1: going Coleman's agent what are you doing this, this transfer well he's help.
2: only recently signed a new contract so I don't think they can go into yeah, him yeah. looking for some more money he, I don't think Coleman or his agent can do anything over the next what, today's the 9th of January over the next 21 days
3: I think if you're Seamus Coleman Seamus Coleman's agent you're looking at Everton that are going backwards from last season you're looking at all these links with all his best teammates going to other clubs you're not hanging around to be the last man out the door
1: I agree I think if if you're Seamus Coleman's agent you're on the phone to Louis van Gaal going he, he's your boy he's exactly the prototype of the player that you want and you know what Everton, they're, they're in a bit of a weakness, there's just a little bit of weakness right yeah. there at the moment.
3: Let's go, you do you a deal now and, you know, go uh, in the summer.
1: No, get them, out, get them out the door now. The same the club done.
2: that behaved so pathetically when it came to trying to bring Baines and Fellaini to Old Trafford. I don't mm. think Everton are going to do any deals with Manchester United this month.
1: Uh, the same club who paid way over the odds for Fellaini and Everton looking at them going, yeah, great, come on in, lads. <laughs> there's, lads,
2: there's zero chance that Coleman is leaving in this window.
1: Zero. Um, if you're Seamus Coleman's agent though you but want this his to agent can um, I'm not
2: I'm absolutely not disagreeing with that part of it well, that's what I was saying but there's no chance it will happen there's no way Everton will sell from a, a...
3: Everybody has their and price. That, and if
2: that, that sort of a deal would be one that would end up going right to the end of the window, leaving Everton with very little, if any, time to spend the money wisely on better players. All the
1: more the reason to get it done this weekend.
3: <laughs> All right, Jim Hoyt, let's give it a break for the minute. Uh, let's talk about City uh, from their point of view because after Everton, they've got Chelsea and Arsenal before the end of the month. They've had a decent run of games, actually, up to this point. Uh, Dave, you'll be with Keith Andrews doing that Arsenal game and off the ball. Um City uh, have Aguero and Zeko back in training, we're told. Company could be back in the mixer this weekend after injury. They've gone and bought Boney.
1: Stefan Jovic has to come out of the Champions League squad. I'm like, if I'm Stefan Jovic, yeah. i what the hell? I had three games.
3: Like, like, how much sense does this make that City go and buy Boney? That, so so I think I'm right to say that to do with these financial fair play rules, that they've got to squeeze an extra £14 million out the door somewhere to... Make sure that they're fully within regulations there. Like, surely there are other more like in in so much as any area is needs urgent addressing for Manchester City. Surely there are other areas that City defensively, for example, could I do don't, I don't know if they're, adding a bit of ballast.
1: I don't know if they're actually that bad defensively as everybody says. Uh, Not that
3: bad, but but the one area where you might make an argument where they could do with strengthening.
1: So the, the a couple of the signings have been. Ridiculed from the start, Di Michaelis last year was a complete failure, and actually it turns out Di Michaelis isn't that bad. Mm. Uh, is it Mangala, the other guy they spent thirty million on? Yeah, mm. awful, completely useless, never going to make it. And then starts to play a few games, and they easily he will in. come good, I think. And so suddenly you're actually like, they don't have that many difficulties there. They've got mediocre, I would say, very mediocre substitute fullbacks, and maybe a sub fullback who's getting one hundred twenty grand a week should be better than that. But when they had no strikers, they had to turn to an 18-year-old kid whose name we all had to learn how to pronounce and never quite got the truth. Po- Pozo? I was po- saying Pozo po- when it's, I was commentating it's, it's
2: on it's him. The, I've, I've heard, heard up. Of it pronounced as Pozo in recent it's weeks. It's Portho. I've Potho. looked it up. Right. Yeah. I might yeah. go with that. Well, he didn't start many games. They put James Milner up front. Yeah. And he got a couple of goals in the cup tie win so over Sheffield stuck. Wednesday. Look, if I was... Chelsea, for example, I'd be very wary of what City have managed to achieve. They've won 11 of the last 12. They've had David Silva missing for a large portion of those Aguero. 12 games. Aguero, company, and Jacko have all been absent. I think Wilfred Boney is a brilliant striker. But I don't think he's going to start a huge amount of games, particularly when Aguero's fit. But Silva being back is the crucial part of it because he makes them tick. And if they beat Arsenal and Chelsea in the next two weeks... I think they're going to win the Premier League. They've got the best away record in the Premier League and they're going to show that this weekend as well.
1: I think they're going to draw with Chelsea. I think they'll win the other two games, no problems.
2: And that'll set them up nicely. Um, There was a point I want to make about Boney. A
1: man wants to play one up front.
3: I'm not a Quinn.
2: Uh, Countdown, by the way. I got that That's Countdown. Speaking of one up front, Wilfred Boney does it better than anybody else.
3: If you're Wilfred Boney, right... I'm assuming I'm going to get scoffed at here, but Jeez. do you not want to go to a club like Liverpool, where you're going? To, they're going to build a team around I you. Know, I understand now, You're not that, going yeah. to win medals, yeah. well, but you, might. you know, well, you might win a, like a, a league cup or something. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Like you're going to go to City and you're going to win something. You're going to win some medals. I understand that, but surely there must be a temptation to go to Liverpool. Maybe For example, the money is just. Uh, I'd say he's travelling his wages. I But would imagine, at I mean, the very least. If but if that's if that's the motivation. That, I don't know what that speaks about Wilfred Boney. It means about? he wants
1: to be rich. Everybody in the world has exactly the same motivation. Adrian. I can't understand <laughs> you I'm sure it.
2: I'm sure Wilfred Boney Adrian, I'm sure he has belief <laughs> in his footballing ability and he thinks I can go to Man City and be a great striker. Now he could go the way of as Jack as Rodwell as or Scott Sinclair who left Swansea who went to City and I think he's actually still in City's books. He is, yeah. They have apparently. to hold on to him because he's an Englishman and they need to boost their home player quotient. But... I don't think he'll start a huge amount of games, and I think he could well regret it. Aside from looking at his
1: bank balance, go well, on, Jar, come on. The <laughs> point, the point <laughs> of regretting it. So well, the money is—it's just the most obvious thing in the world. Know, but it does he's, he's he's not not at Liverpool, right? not speak to any badness in a man's character that he's offered A and B, and A is bigger than B, and he takes A every do we time. Do know? Well, he wants to go to
3: Liverpool. Like, let's say, let's do say, do we you know say, Liverpool say, are in for him? Let's. No, I'm not. I'm not. We know nothing about that, right? But like, all I'm saying is. Regardless, I'm, I'm talking about a Liverpool. Sure, yeah, right? Right. Or and not he, Liverpool specifically. Who, whoever, somewhere where he's a bit more of a focus vocal- Like oh, he goes to City. How many games does he play?
1: I'd say he probably backs himself to play quite a lot of games. He backs himself to have the Jacko role, and they sell Jacko in this transfer window more than likely. Yeah, well, maybe, he's, maybe in or fairness. In fairness, in
3: fairness, that they may be in conversation that was taking place behind the scenes, in which case, m- mood point, yeah, mood point. But, but
1: the, you, you must understand the money. You do understand it. I'm offering you... Okay, I
3: understand the motivation of money, but my I'm point would you be 10 that... 10
1: million or I'm offering you 5 million. And that they're probably not far off the realistic figures. Maybe it's 10 million and 8 million or maybe it's 12 million and 8 million. You're going to take the 12 million every day of the week. 4 I million don't know. quid. I don't know.
3: I don't know. And I don't know if it's a conversation I want to get into. I don't know. I don't know that you do. But anyway, right. Let's, you know, let's move on. But Honestly,
1: you, you would. You can see a case where... I just
3: I just think that, like like, if I was a player who, like... If I, was a, if I was in Wilfred Boney's position, right, and so let's say Liverpool were in for me, we don't know, and we don't know the circumstances of the City move, but I'm going to City and I'm going to play a little bit of football here and there, I'm going to be a bit part player in a he massive machine, that. or else I can go to like a club, not an insignificant club, I understand I'm not going to win as many medals, but I'm going to be the focal point for that club. I'm assuming you're just playing devil's advocate here because I really cannot see the point you're making.
2: Wilfred Boney is a striker at the peak of his powers who's having his wages trebled. He's been sought after by a club who has ambitions to win the Champions League in the next two seasons and has a very good chance of picking up maybe three trophies this season and he's believing in his own ability that he can be a top striker at that club.
3: Two words, Sergio Aguero.
2: But Sergio Aguero, how many games has he missed? A huge amount of games. A lot of games they'll play two strikers. What if
1: I can play with him? Like,
2: possibly, the yeah. there of are thing so many positive, reasons for Bony to, to want to go to Man City.
3: Yeah, and and, and I do think, of fairness the potential of getting rid of Javetich and Jacko probably are two of the main factors, and makes it, makes it a perfectly reasonable thing. Well, I don't um, think they're anyway. rid of
2: both because that would leave them in the same position again. The reason they need a Bony in the first place that they only have two strikers.
3: Uh, right, there are the three o'clock games outside of uh, Leicester City, Aston Villa, Swansea, West Ham, West Brom, Hull City, and Burnley, QPR. Uh, Dave you are hugely impressed by Tottenham they're off to Crystal Palace uh, in the late game on Saturday
2: Yeah, I think Tottenham are really starting to come good under Pochettino. Second half against United, I was at that game at White Hart Lane, I thought they were really impressive. They are fifth now, and that's as high as they've been all season. Unbeaten in seven games in all competitions. In Harry Kane, they've probably got potentially the most exciting striker in the league, given where he's come from. The base he started, the season at, and they're taking on a Palace team who are probably going to get thumped by Tottenham this weekend. And they'll be looking at Southampton and thinking, the same thing as Liverpool. Let's hope United beat Southampton at the weekend because suddenly Tottenham will be in the Champions League places. What's
1: their first choice back four central midfield? Do you know?
2: I don't know if he knows what his first choice back four is at the moment. Vertonghen seems to, he's back in out of the cold and he was brilliant, pretty much only playing Europa League games around October and November. Kabul is completely gone. He's the club captain. He's out in the cold. they've Kyle Walker fit again which is a huge boost for them and they look like a side who are actually starting to believe in themselves at the back now
1: are they playing two central two holding players in front of that centre back yeah well
2: they're playing that again is changing from game to game Ryan Mason has been almost a fixture he's not fit this weekend but I don't think it'll matter a huge amount in this game I was so impressed he's a real box to box player he's so young he's absolutely no fear and Maybe they're just lacking in a really good defensive midfielder because they've got Dembele, they've got Pellinio, and they have Capu. all of the club, none of which I think he believes in. Yes.
3: burden of proof is on you, you, which wraps up our... Thanks for having us for that. Tottenham. And on to Sunday in our two games... A, first of all Arsenal Stoke from half one uh, Nathan and Kenny Cunningham at this Who we said so some interesting lines out of Arsenal this week including the confirmed departure of Lucas Podolski joins into Milan says Wenger didn't respect him he said nothing to me he didn't call me or say goodbye I don't need flowers or a kiss from him says Podolsky but it is about respect and about saying goodbye for me respect is important maybe he had other problems with me
1: did they get any money from him
3: in the end 11 million I think wasn't oh did it? they, they, so they it's alright 11 million quid I think that's
1: what they spent on him anyway so they got close enough
3: to Oh, no, maybe I'm completely telling two stories. He's gone on loan. He is gone on loan. <laughs> Scrap that last part. <laughs> and they're good? looking at the and two of you going, And also, by I'm the way, sure there's no way he's getting right. 11 million quid from now.
1: Um, Podolsky was a terrible signing. He, his club form at Bayern Munich, when Bayern Munich signed him, was abysmal. And anybody could see that he needs to be. If the star in a small team he's got small town syndrome I Yeah,
3: because Wenger presumably bought him it was Cologne I think and presumably it was. bought him uh, th- with th- the idea that he was to be the main and man he'd looked player. as settled
2: as he'd ever been at club level like yeah. even go back to the World Cup in 2006 when Germany hosted it he was having a torrid time yeah. at club level and international level before that World Cup and suddenly a month later he was the darling of German football fans he's never actually had a spell at club level ben that's just?
1: So impressed you like what was the point of signing Lukas Podolski? Well, he still has to
2: achieve big things he's shown that he can play well in big games but never for his club
1: yeah so I, I just think that it was kind of emblematic of, our, of Wenger not having expertise in the transfer market over a long period of time by not spending money and then going and spending money on him and wasting it and it that stank
3: was it. that move from Cologne it absolutely stank. although 11
2: million is not a huge amount of money either
1: but it, well it is when it's all you're spending because they, 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 him and Murtagh arrived same. Was it the same window? Not sure.
2: But they wrote. spent. He spent his money far more wisely since then.
3: Presumably, it wasn't like like Sylvanger wasn't buying him to be the main striker. But at some point, a conversation no. should have taken place where it went, where he said, "Well, well, it well, would." The amount of, amount of games he's played would suggest that wasn't the case. But presumably, there was a conversation at some point, like you talked about with Bonnie that where it was made clear, "Well, this is your role." Do
1: you know, I'm presuming nothing. It's football. Yeah. You never. Know. It's
3: hard to be sympathetic. Towards Podolski. Lucas Podolski,
1: he's earned a shed a lot of money
2: over the mm. last four years. He's been signed by Bayern Munich and Arsenal with great expectations and delivered nothing. If and he was good enough to start well. for Arsenal up front, he would have. If he was good enough to stay at Bayern, he would have. Yeah. He says All clubs are in for him, Dave.
3: He says that you know there was a lot of interest there. Says Shh. Lucas Podolski. I
2: would love to know. I'm sure there was a li- lot of interest. Clubs
1: queuing to pick him up, but none of them would have been anywhere close to being the top clubs in Europe. Chesney having a fag in the showers is actually far more interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> like. <laughs> This does not speak of a team who believe in discipline. Who have no, did he get fined? Was it 10 20 20 grand? 20 grand he was fined. This yeah. is um, the,
3: did anybody read the, the article? Was it last week? Uh, was it Blyde Spartans? The list of fines that they... they two quid for being made for training. Having a piss in the was yeah. a couple of quid. 20 grand.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, 20 com- grand. For Jack Wiltshire would be uh,
2: smoking the, the, the Jack like, Wiltshire must be another one who's a The team I used to play rugby for in school some of the lads used to have a smoke in the showers. Like, this is incredible. Mm. A goalkeeper, an international goalkeeper who suppo- he knows he's always under pressure. I don't think Chesney's ever been in a position where, de- say, like De Gea is at United now, where he's comfortably the best keeper at the club if not arguably the best keeper in Europe and he is unrivalled. Chesney's looking over his shoulder the whole time. There's always talk that another goalkeeper's coming in. There was talk that Valdez might be coming in before he actually signed a contract at Old Trafford. Of all the guys to put himself in that position.
1: At at the start of the season I was kind of out on him but over the first four months of the season I was like this guy's very good. he's, He's maturing as a goalkeeper. Aspects of his game are improving and then over the last couple of weeks you're like what a dickhead. Like, this is an incredibly important season and situation for Arsenal. And here he goes off and has a cigarette in the shower. I think you've
3: completely summed up Chesney's career, essentially, because I think everybody had, you know, shows huge potential, great capacity, but at times the capacity to be pretty average.
1: And as a young goalkeeper, maybe you just have to accept that there are very few goalkeepers who, at 22, are amazing and have the level of consistency that, say, De Gea has or... Or. (laughs) Very few others. Courtois certainly doesn't have it. Yeah, Courtois does. Um, But Chesney was getting there. At this season, he kind of felt like he was beginning to command his area and Mm -hmm. help that defence out a little bit.
2: The guy who's actually going to be opposing him tomorrow or on Sunday, Begovic, I think, is the kind of guy that Arsenal should have signed two, three years ago. Their record at home is astonishing. They haven't lost since the opening day of last season. Villa, that guy. um, Against Villa, which is an incredible record. But at the same time, they haven't reach this stage of a Premier League season with the points they're currently on for 20 years. So there's a lot right and there's a lot wrong with what, what has happened with Arsenal so far this season. But they're going to win tomorrow. It's the Stoke games are always a complete mirror, a reversal of each other. They, they, they sent a at struggle home. at Britannia and they hammer them at home and that's going to happen. Stoke are missing Mamadioff. He's gone to the African Cup of Nations as well and he's been huge for them. And um, Bojan has not been fit for the last three weeks. So I think they
1: are going to get hammered.
3: Tomorrow, I don't. I on don't. Sunday, you reckon Hughes is going to be a happy camper by the well, uh, <laughs> a happy camper in so much as Mark Hughes ever is. That I think you're, if, you're if Arsenal gonna win to? this, it's going to be in the last ten minutes.
2: I don't know. I think they'll score early, and that'll be the end of it. But it'll be a great game. Sliding off the <laughs> <laughs> ball, not a crap game. <laughs> <laughs> the, like the kind of like game like that Jerry Gilroy should that be that commentating you are on. No.
1: <laughs> <the British laughs> <the laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, the other game on Sunday that Dave you'll be at alongside Stephen Reed, Manchester United against Southampton. Don't have a huge amount of time on this one but in some ways the most ideal season I might suggest for um, Van Gaal and for Ronald Koeman to be trying to guide their respective teams through a transition here that you know, the great, there isn't the most fantastic amount of quality around them. So it does give them a little bit of room to make the mistakes they're going to make in terms of personnel and style, etc. That this is probably the most ideal season for them.
2: Um, I wouldn't have thought it was ideal for Cooman in that he was coming into a club that had lost so many of their best players.
3: But but ideal in that the other teams around them aren't what they were in previous seasons. In fact, even Chelsea and City at times have shown Yeah, if
2: you're looking to break back into the top four from a Manchester United point of view I'd agree because all of the teams that were going close last season Everton and Liverpool and Arsenal are nowhere near at the level they were last season from a United point of view it's all starting to come together for me because I think they had, this weekend they could have Di Maria, Fellaini, Blinshaw, Shaw, Rojo all coming back to fitness. Only Likely Ashley to bring Young. a couple of players in as well. They've lost Young. Who's Only been Ashley Young
1: of the first team players are injured. And Raphael has
2: broken his cheekbone, hasn't he? Yeah, but
1: he can play with the mask apparently. So
2: that is one player. If you think of the issues they've had this season, they could be down one player. So they're unbeaten in their last 11 games, Southampton. Southampton haven't actually won at Old Trafford, I think, since 1988. So that is some record that United are defending. As a um, I have it down here somewhere the guy who got the winner I can't, I don't know it off the top of my head but United it was
3: I think uh, they've
2: United picked well, up 20 of the 24 points on offer at home this season and I think they are going to play far better than they did in the game at St Mary's which they probably should have lost but with Southampton's defensive record away from home in the Premier League is better than anybody else bar City and I think they will actually really give United a great game.
1: Let's wait and see because this is, this is, these are the tests for a man United when he has all his players. He's got no excuses. All the built-in stuff about, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's gone. So this is the full expression of what a Lewis van Gaal team mm. should look like. It's 25-30 actually
2: at home in the Premier League. They've drawn with Chelsea and they lost to the Swans in the opening day of the season. Um, and they, all the talk about how poor they are defensively and all the different central defensive partnerships. Seven goals they've conceded at Old Trafford. Which yeah. is something really given that... They play how much airtime their defence has got? Mm. So I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. If you know how to win it, I would imagine they're going to make it to the top four. Southampton win it.
3: There's about eight teams looking at the Champions All League. All League. All yes, is that, that trap? It is. That is yeah. a trap. rant right back there. in his was that back in his Bayern days or that Salzburg days? Was Salzburg? was no Bayern. Ooh, it was Byron. Byron! Yeah, it was Byron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Standing behind the uh, desk with the many microphones in front of him, thumping the desk at various points. Not uh, his his sort of cross Italian, cross German, as we came to discover ourselves sometime after that. Um, I'm sure you've both gone and done your trebles. I have. I <laughs> silence think from other parts of the room. Go on, Dave. What have you got? I've gone for
2: Tottenham to be yeah. to win at Palace. Um, which is actually a decent odds. are six to five Tottenham to win up the road at Sellers Park. It's a team in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. I think that's given money away. Arsenal, mm-hmm. I have in there mm-hmm. at nine to four on to beat Stoke, and I think Man City will beat a really struggling. Everything comes to just
3: over five to one. That's pretty good. I've gone for Tottenham as well. I also went for City, and a I went for Chelsea. So, I think it's really huge area for uh, that will be around five to one as well. It's There's four to one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh,
1: Burnley to beat Queens Park Rangers.
3: I haven't actually, by the way, got any of these right at ever. any week up to here, ever, ever <laughs> this
1: season. Well, the travel is very tricky.
3: But I've I've gone for like three and four to one every week because I just want to get one, and then I'll you know get expansive after that. Like go on, a, like Bur- a
1: teenager sex life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Burnley <laughs> <That's gonna describe laughs> my life very well, Jared.
1: Burnley against QPR. Burnley going to win that. Uh, I'm, I don't know what the odds are we have a page open?
2: I've just closed us unfortunately Oh good man But they will be odds on will keep yours away <laughs> record a, is abysmal yeah. Absolutely going for
1: Swansea to beat West Ham at home hmm. Even if Boney's not playing? And Arsenal to beat Stoke Yeah they have um, Gomis It's for sale as well So I don't know, I don't know.
3: Lads uh, absolute pleasure. First Great of the season. Start New as year. you need to go on. Kevin Ratcliffe, if you're listening, we apologise. We'll be back to you at some That's point is, as I
2: never mentioned
3: him. Good luck.